Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doctrine Matters podcast. We thank you for tuning in. We thank you for joining us here on this episode of the podcast. And, and man, I, I have to tell you that there is a lot of stuff going on in the world of Christendom right now. I mean, when you think about the things that are happening in this life right now, as far as the church goes, as far as things that we are hearing come out of different reports and Different things like that that are happening right now. It's just amazing to me to hear of all the things that are happening. And if you don't know, I'll share some of those things with you. And then I, I just want to bring uh, a passage of Scripture from Psalm 119 to kind of wrap all this up. And uh, we might can look deeper into some of these things at some point. But we, we've been, ultimately, if, you, if you're new here or just joining us, we have been going through a couple of easy kind of questions that have been asked of me at our church. Uh, we have a question and answer Wednesday night Bible study that we do together, and we've had several questions. So we've just kind of been unpacking some questions here on the Doctrine Matters podcast that just would help practically in our everyday lives to kind of unpack and know the answers to. But I want to take a break right now from that and and talk about some of the things that are happening right now in the world of the church and the life of the church, and, and not just local church, but church universal as we think about it. So Many of us know, and many of you know, that uh, there was a port a report that came out recently from Ravi Zacharias Ministries that uh, showed us some some very troubling things that were going on in the life of Ravi Zacharias before he passed away recently. And uh, there were pictures on his phones. There was um, sexual abuse allegations. There were uh, massage therapists allegations where he had abused them. There was pictures on his phone. There's all sorts of things that have come to light since Robbie's passing. Now, for me as as um, as a Baptist, I, I, there were some things that I didn't agree with theologically with Ravi. However, he was a, a huge name in the world of apologetics. And when he passed away, all of this started coming to light. All of these allegations started coming forth. And uh, it's just kind of Put a put a stain on Ravi's ministry. Not all of his ministry and not all of his theology was bad, but uh, there was some of it that that I just disagreed with him with, and and a lot of other people would disagree with him with as as well. But he was still a, a good apologist. There were some things that were good about him, some good things about his theology. So we can't throw everything out that Ravi did. But seeing what happened now, as a result of these reports that have come out and been confirmed by his ministry then we see this stain on his ministry. This life that he lived was a secret life of sexual sin and sexual deviance. And we can learn some things from this as pastors, as as church members, as leaders in the church, that we are, none of us are above falling. Because Ravi had this platform, this amazing, large, world-wide-scale platform Yet, secretly, he was caught up in sexual deviance. So we need to learn some things that pride goes before the fall, and any of us that think that we can't fall, we are in danger 
of doing so then because the Bible teaches us that pride goeth before the fall, it's according to the King James Version. But uh, the ESV, pride goes before the fall, right? So uh, all of these things that Ravi was covering up eventually came to light. So all of the things that are done in the darkness will ultimately come into the light. And that's something that we can take away from this is that we need to be saturating ourselves in the Word of God. We need to be soaking up the Word of God. We need to be in prayer daily, in deep prayer with the Lord, because this can happen to anybody, and anybody could pass away at any minute, and then all of these things be uncovered, and we just find ourselves in the same boat that Ravi Zacharias is in. So we're not going to just dive deep into that, but that is one of the things that has been going on um, in the, the, the universal church, so to speak. And another one of the things that have been going on, and I, I don't want to necessarily say this is part of the church because it's part of Hillsong, and I think it's more of a word of faith movement, word of faith church, which I believe they teach a different gospel. And Paul in Galatians says, if anybody teaches a different gospel, not that there is one, let them be accursed, which simply means to hell with you, right? That's strong language, but it's the language of the Bible. It's the language that God uses. It's the language that Paul has used there in, at the church to Galatia. So we believe that, uh, or I believe that Hillsong is a prosperity, word of faith type movement, and I would not necessarily call them the church, but Pastor Carl Lentz recently, if you've been keeping up with everything, has has been outed as having not just one affair, but I think multiple affairs. And as of today, 2 21 I saw where he is now in Los Angeles. Uh, I guess he's recovered after his rehab, short-lived rehab, I guess. But he's living in Los Angeles right now, and and he is calling producers and contacting producers and trying to get a faith-based Netflix series off the ground. Um, He's trying to tell his story uh, with anybody that will listen. And I think as far as 221, 22221, so many twos and ones in this day today. But as far as this day goes, uh, I don't don't think anybody has really returned his calls. I heard that Tyler Perry is is kind of helping fund him right now, kind of feeding him a salary for whatever reason. So look for Carl Lentz to show up on a reality TV show or the next Medea movie. But what can we learn about this? Another uh, sexual sin, another sexual fall of a pastor. Although we don't believe that they were teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, he was still considered a pastor and a celebrity pastor, right? This is Justin Bieber's pastor. This is Kevin Durant, NBA basketball player's pastor. This is somebody that was in the spotlight, which let it seemingly let all of this fame and this celebrity status go to his head because it was often said that he was he would tell people, I'm Kevin Durant's pastor. I'm, Je- I'm Justin Bieber's pastor. What about all those other people that don't have a name like that? Was he not their pastor too? Or was he just wanting to use those names, those name, big names and name drop when, let me, let me just move forward. I don't want to get caught up into this. But um, it's clear that if there is not accountability, if there is no um, submitting ourselves to the word and, and no walking in wisdom and no, uh, no, no biblical church that we're a part of that practices church discipline, that even pastor, again, can fall with no accountability whatsoever. And not just in one affair, but in multiple affairs, it seems like now. And now he's 
finished rehab apparently and out in LA looking for his next big gig. He's looking for the spotlight, looking for the cameras. He's looking for those things. And it's just a it's just a huge black eye. Although we don't say that they are a true church, there's people looking at the, the, the life of Christians, people that proclaim Christ, and seeing all of these things happen, and it's really putting a big black eye on Christianity as a whole. However, I know the Bible, I've read the Bible, I understand most of the Bible, and I know that God has plans. God is not going to let these things go to waste. He is getting his glory through these things, and he will use it for true believer's good, for a strengthening and a purification of his church, because these things, although give a black eye to Christianity, God still wins. God still prevails. God still gets the glory. God is still going to do what he purposes and what he wills with his church and with his people, because God is sitting in the heavens full of authority and sovereign over all of creation. So even these black eyes that we're seeing across Christianity right now, or or, or the quote unquote Christianity, whether it be true Christianity or a or a different version of, or a spinoff of Christianity, or even a Galatians one uh, a cursing, um, still it's all under the umbrella to outsiders as Christianity or the church, and we're seeing these big black eyes take take place and. And, and it's just happening way too too many times and way too soon right now. And then this weekend, I, this past weekend, I've come across the Roy's Report, another thing that's happening in the life of the church right now. And, and, and this report kind of um, outed John MacArthur, if you will. I'm going to put that in air quotes for those that are listening and not watching on YouTube. Uh, put that word, outing John MacArthur, in, in air quotes, because part of it seemed like a hit piece. It did. I'm, I'm just going to say what I think in that. Um, it did seem like a hit piece on John MacArthur and, and tried to attack him and his house that he lives in. And I, it, Phil Johnson has recently had an interview with Justin Peters and, and said that, that John actually built that house 40 years ago. So uh, he's lived there for 40 years in that same house, owns kind of a getaway condo 50 miles or so from Grace to You Ministries, and then I think they may have a a summer getaway house in Colorado. Now listen, I'm the first one to say that if a man or woman makes money and makes it legally and it's legit, now we know that MacArthur has book sales, MacArthur has uh, all of these things that he does, so if he's making this money legitly, then who cares what he does with his money as long as he's stewarding it well the way God has intended. One of the biggest things that that happens in the life of a church and especially in the life of a pastor is uh, there's an old saying, and I can't remember the first half of it, but I definitely know the second half of it. And some of you old pastors, and especially those old Baptist pastors and ones that grew up in pastoring in the South, you may know this quote, but I can't remember it. I I think it says uh, the church members say things like, we'll keep the pastor... Um, uh, he'll keep us fed and we'll keep him poor or something like that. There's this mentality that pastors need to be poor, and that is simply not the case. And I will say that Julie Royce, she she did not say that uh, there was necessarily anything wrong with having those things, but what she did do was in her report, she said that uh, for someone that 
teaches against the prosperity gospel, he is living the prosperity lifestyle in his houses and things like that. So uh, she really, her investigative reporting kind of just went in and, and, and did those things. But she also kind of said that there has uh, been some allegations of abuse and bullying and rape cover-up and uh, nepotism, favoritism happening within that ministry. And the goal here is not to unpack all of this here on this episode. So uh, there are other people that are doing that. Seiko Woods has had an interview with uh, Julie Roy's. You can look that up on YouTube. Uh, You can look at some follow-up things that Seiko has done and said. Uh, You can look at some arguments that he has, some frustrations that he has. And you can see that we are at at a time in our life where, yes, we as human beings can put even past on a pedestal in some sort of celebrity status and make idols out of them. I think that's what's happened to a lot of people. Like, I I believe Ravi Zacharias probably had some people that made idols out of him. I think he may have even made an idol out of the fame that he had and the the great name that he had after reading and listening to some of these reports. And I also believe that Carl Lentz probably had this celebrity status and people looked at him as sort of an idol. And they they just... um, flocked to him. And I've, I've been to Shepherd's Conference. I've seen grown men, uh, as Seiko Woods put it on one of his recent, uh, I'd say, rants on one of his lives. He was ranting about some things. Uh, I've seen grown men rush over each other like they're trying to get to an Usher concert. That was something that Seiko said. But I have been to Shepherd's Conference, John MacArthur's church in California, And I have seen grown men running to try to get to the front, to try to see and be close to their favorite pastor. Now, it's clear that we can make idols out of pastors. So we have to be careful when things come out like this that we don't cause divisions. However, this particular report and the things that have happening and things that have been said have indeed caused divisions in the body of Christ. But what we need to be doing as believers and as people that love and care about truth is we need to be, if we have a concern about some things, that we need to make sure our concerns are valid. We need to research those things out. And if we find something concerning, I think instead of going to mass public producing interviews and and podcasts and all those things, if we find something concerning, then we should go to the people and talk to them directly. Now, if we're not in the same city, if we're not in the same state, that may look like emails back and forth, that may look like Zoom meetings, that may look like FaceTime, that may look like handwritten letters through the, the mail, like old school But it may mean that we reach out to the people that we have concerns with, and if those concerns continue to grow and nothing's done about them and there's still concerns, then I think we have a a procedure in Matthew chapter 18 that teaches us the way to deal with this. Now, sometimes we we have these microphones and we have these webcams and we have these, uh, these platforms that we can just hit buttons and be able to talk to so many people at one time. And that is a big problem in the life of the church because we're so quick to get behind a microphone or a keyboard and and really blast somebody without truly going to those people. Now, if Julie Royce did that in her report, if she was truly concerned, I think her website says something about uh, telling the truth and restoring the church or something like that. But if she really has concerns... 
I think that there is a, a more loving and helpful way to do that. Maybe she did do that. I don't, I'm not real sure, so I can't say either way. And, and then even the aftermath of all of this, after that report, after Seiko Woods had her on his podcast, there is a division in the church, but there should not be a division. There should be a group of believers that say, okay, let's research this. If we have issues, let's go to the people we have issues with. Let's seek out the answers we're looking for. Let's not be divisive on this issue, and let's sit and wait for more things to come out because we can't just be accusing people and then everybody jump on that bandwagon and believe it. And also, we can't have people accusing people and then other, the other side start fighting others in their disbelief of the accusations. There has to be a clear Berean-type uh, uh, way about us that would say, well, let me go study and research and let me test the spirits. I think we miss that in the church. We miss testing the spirits. We should test everything. We should test everything John MacArthur says. We should test everything that I say on this podcast. I can tell you this, that I have said some things on this podcast that didn't sit well with some some folks at times, and I got an email from one of our listeners, and we were able to go uh, back and forth and kind of agree to disagree on some things, but the way that it was handled was it this person didn't get on their blog or, or, or their podcast and, and blow me up. They simply sent me an email, and we kind of had some exchange, and we agreed to disagree in love, but we were still unified even in our disagreement because there wasn't an argumentative, angry side to what we were doing. And I think that we have lost that in the church and in the life of the body as a whole, whether it be local context or the church universal, is we've put so many men on pedestals that when accusations come against them, we're quick to defend or pronounce judgment either way. And I don't think that's healthy. I think that we need to sit back and wait for more uh, for more testimony, for more eyewitness accounts of things, and definitely talk through the issues, but not be so argumentative about it that we can't have a normal conversation. I watched a, a back and forth today uh, with somebody that was accusing, that has heard evidence against John MacArthur, against the church, and then one that goes to church there and, and didn't believe the accusations, and it, it was a not a productive conversation. I listened for a whole hour, and nothing was ever, um, nothing ever came to a good, solid foundation. Matter of fact, it ended with one party just leaving the chat altogether. It was a, a, a webcam chat back and forth on a on a platform, and it ended with one party leaving. Uh, it, it was just not productive. We can get on chat cam webcams, and we can get on these platforms, and we can talk back and forth. But the moment we elevate our voices in anger and frustration is the moment that we need to bring it all back down and look for common ground to land on because the Bible teaches us that we need to let our speech be seasoned with salt. That means that we can get upset, we can get frustrated, we can even get angry, but we must not sin in that anger. So many times I'm seeing brothers in Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ debate uh, they have had disagreements, and it's led to high voices, raised voices that are 
not productive at all. We have to remember that we have to pull back from this worldly view, this worldly way of thinking, and in our frustration, we must come together for the sake of the gospel and find common thread and land on common ground somewhere, whether it be small or large, somewhere that we can agree And then we can agree to disagree on the other things. But I believe it's important for the life of the church as a whole, for the sake of the believer and for the sake of the gospel and definitely for the sake of Christianity that those that profess and proclaim Christ and Christ crucified, those brothers and sisters need to be able to get along and in a loving, grace-filled speech, uh, just caring, gentle way. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says... um, to restore a brother with gentleness, not harsh speech, not not foul language, not raising our voices, but restoring each other gently, and that's what we should seek to do as believers. So all of these things that are happening, all of these things that are just rocking the world of Christianity and rocking the church world. People are seeing this. They're hearing this. They don't know what to think. A lot of people are are continuing to say, that's why I'm not a Christian, but we know that it, that God is going to save those whom he wills. So even those, those that profess that they are not Christians and they're not Christians because of the hypocrisy within Christendom, then God could have easily saved those just like he saved you and me. We know that. But people are turning away from the church. They're turning away from the Word of God. They're turning away from truth because of the way the church is acting. So I want to call us and challenge us, all of you that are listening, that are still listening right now, if you find yourself in a disagreement with somebody, whether it be over John MacArthur or whether you're talking about Carl Lentz or whether you're talking about Ravi Zacharias, I want to encourage you to let your speech be seasoned with salt, be grace-filled, be gentle, be kind, be loving, don't gossip, don't slander, because one of the things that we can really do is if we don't like somebody, we can really drag their name through the mud, and we can truly slander. Now, I think that our world, this is a side note, I think that our world and our culture has kind of blurred the lines of what actually is slander. Many times, uh, what people would say is slander is, 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 is not slander. Uh, but there is cases where we could truly slander someone, especially if we don't like them. So we have to be really careful not to slander, not to gossip, not to be argumentative, but to find common ground that we can agree something. We need to find something that we can agree on and move forward together in grace and love for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christianity. And I think that even if you both D- disagree on one or one subject or the other, we can still move forward, continuing to research, continuing to listen, to continuing to see what else comes out. And at the end of the day, if just use John MacArthur for instance, if you don't believe that he is in sin, if you don't believe that there is anything going on that is uh, that needs to be even brought out, and and somebody else does that you are friends with, maybe that's okay. We need to find common ground, move forward in grace and love, because there is a world watching Christians right now. They're always watching Christians, right? They're always watching you specifically as a believer. Unbelievers are watching how you carry yourself, how you respond, how you, uh, when somebody comes against you, how you react to them. 
people are watching us. People are watching the church, especially in the midst of COVID-19 when churches are closing down, churches are continuing to gather, defying government orders in some states and some other countries. Uh, Things are happening. People are watching. So we need to be very careful that we are not falling into worldly patterns and giving in to these worldly temptations and dishonoring God and stepping over a bloodstained cross just to make our point. It's very easy to do, but we must not do that. So we must be very careful when we disagree. We must be very careful when we talk about these things. So I want to read this to you. This is something I was reading. I just started reading in in, in Psalm 119, even today, actually, and I came across this. It says, verse 1 of Psalm 119 says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. See, the law of the Lord is a good thing. It's for sinners. It's for uh, those that need a measuring tool, and that's all of us. So the law of God is good, and we should walk in the law of God, and then we can see that our way would be blameless. Sometimes we get out from under that law of God, and we want to go rogue, and we want to do our own thing, which leads to fights and arguments and divisions and different things like that, and then it leads to a bunch of things on the internet that people look at and shake their head at and say, well, this is what's wrong with the church. Look at these people, right? We get away from the law of God. We go do our own thing. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. We can agree, we can disagree, we can have deep, hard conversations, but even in that, whichever side you're on, on anything, we can continue to seek the Lord with our whole heart in those things. And I can promise you, we're going to have much better conversations. The the conversations are going to end much better because we're both parties are seeking the Lord and the heart of him. Uh, Let's skip down. I love this verse nine. How can a young man keep his way pure? Uh, uh, We've talked about Ravi Zacharias. We've talked about Carl Lentz. Uh, Even in uh, being pure and not having pride and hate and arrogance and, and, and all of these things in our life, how can a young man keep his way pure? Or really, how can anyone keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Now, I know that there are many people that use a different way of understanding and studying the Bible and studying the Scriptures, and people come with different interpretations of scriptures and things like that. So there are going to be times when there's disagreements on doctrines and and, and, and different theologies and things like that, that that clash at times. But if we truly seek to see and understand what God is saying in his word, and we submit our lives to that, man, then we'll keep our way pure. When we get into these disagreements, we'll be able to have a pure way about us and have pure motives about us and not get into arguments that are leading to nowhere, that lead to one party hanging up the phone or or walking away in anger and frustration. We've got to be very careful that we as believers guard our hearts with the Word of God. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. If we were to flip over, at least in my Bible, we flip over to verse 15. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes 
on your ways. This is just a simple call to all believers to meditate on the law of God, to meditate on his statutes. Love them. We should love the law of God. We should meditate on the law of God. We should meditate on his precepts, his commands, the things that he's told us to do in the scriptures. We should meditate on those things and then live a godly, upright life even when we are in disagreement with one another. So I pray that you would submit yourself to the word of God and not just submit yourself to the word of God. Stay in prayer with him continuously because that is one of the greatest things that we as believers can do is pray to a holy and perfect and sovereign God. Pray that he would keep us humble in our conversations. Pray that he would give us that speech that is seasoned with salt. Pray that he would help us meditate on his precepts. Pray that he would help us be people that guard our hearts with his word and submit ourselves to it. So submit yourself to the word, stay in constant prayer, and continue to live upright, godly lives, even in your disagreements and even in your agreements as you move forward, and be able to be careful to guard your heart against the ones that you don't like as much, like maybe the Carl Lentzes or the Ravi Zacharias's. Make sure you're not gossiping, slandering, doing all those things. Keep your way pure by submitting to the Word of God. Finally, one of the things that uh, we're seeing also in, in, in all of this is Vody Balkum. Many of you know that Vody Balkum is um, seriously ill right now. And we praise God for Vody. We praise God for his family. We praise God for Tom Askell that set up a GoFundMe that needed to raise almost $1.3 million. And the last I checked, it was over the amount they needed because Vody doesn't have insurance, you may know. You may have been keeping up with it. Um, I just read a, the, the most recent report yesterday. There may have been one that come out today. I haven't read it, but he said that if they would have taken the route their luggage did, which their luggage got lost and it finally showed up, but if they would have went the way their luggage went, he would have died. He was within an hour of dying at one point, and finally in God's providence, uh, he was at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. They have got a good plan together. Uh, he is His bag showed up, his luggage, and they just need prayer. Pray for his family. Pray for his wife. Pray for his ki- prayer for his kids. Uh, and pray for Vody. And one of the updates that really got me is it said, when you pray for the man in the wheelchair, don't just pray that he gets up. If we think about that, man, that's deep because there is so much we should pray for. Pray that faith would be strengthened not only in his life, but the life of his wife and his kids and all of those things. And pray for those around him. Pray for the doctors. Pray for the nurses. Pray for everybody in his care. But let's do that. Let's uh, be mindful of uh, the brother in Christ, Vody, and his family. Pray for, for him. Pray for the family, doctors, nurses. Do all those things. Um, Vody Welcome Ministries on Facebook. I don't know if there's a Twitter or an Instagram. I think there may be. So whatever platform you may be on social media-wise, I'm sure you can find it just by searching Vody Welcome Ministries to keep up with what's going on there. And um, if you want to donate, because he doesn't have insurance, they're going to have to pay all of this out of pocket. Uh, just search Tom Askell. I, I, I'll probably put that GoFundMe link in the show notes so you can go there, click on it. Give to Vody Balkum and his family so they don't have to 
be out of pocket. I mean, he is experiencing heart failure, so the 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 procedures and the tests and all of the medical care is going to be outrageously expensive. So think about giving to that. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes there for you to go there to give to that. But whatever you do, submit yourself to the Lord. Uh, be gracious, be generous, be kind, be thoughtful, and give God glory in all that you do. Exalt Christ and build one another up. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Until next time, God bless.